we're going to continue our arrival series this morning. And so um, this is an Advent series. And so we're preparing our hearts each week to celebrate Christmas, the first arrival of Jesus when he came to earth as a baby. But we're also preparing our hearts in anticipation for his second arrival when he will return again, our conquering king, and we will rule and reign with him. Amen? So this is exciting. And, you know, I've loved this series. And and each week we've kind of been looking at some different things that the arrival of Jesus brought with it. And so the first week we talked about hope. And, and, you know, without the arrival of Jesus, there would be no hope in this world. We, we would all be destined for death and for hell, but because of the arrival of Jesus, we have hope for salvation and for new life with him. You know, the second week, Pastor Landon talked about peace and how the arrival of Jesus ensured us that we, his people, could have peace. And, and not just, you know, the peace that, that the world has that's dependent on circumstances or situations, but, but that we could truly have peace that passes all human understanding. The peace that can only be known through Jesus. And this week, we're going to be talking about the third thing that Jesus' arrival has brought with it, and that is love. Love. You know, to be honest, I struggled a little bit um, with this topic because I just kind of feel like we as a society, we've totally cheapened um, this word love. You know, like we use the word love for everything. If you ask somebody, oh, what do you love? You will get answers that will range from like pizza uh, to your mom, you know? And so how do you think that makes your mom feel when you use the same word to describe pizza as you do her, you know? And so we just, we use this word all the time. And, and so for fun this morning, I just kind of thought I might give away a few things that I've heard people say that they love, okay? And so, um, Do we have any coffee lovers in the house? Coffee lovers in the house, yes. Okay, you guys are a different breed. Like you, people who love coffee, they're passionate about their coffee. They can't function without their coffee. I mean, like they love coffee. And so I wanna give away this Starbucks gift card to the first passionate person who will run up here and get it. So it's up to you. Oh, woo! Oh, see, oh, that was good. See, that's a good daughter right there. She loves her dad, and she knows her dad loves coffee. So that's, that's a good daughter. You're going to get um, a better Christmas present now because of that, I bet. Um, okay, so, so like I said, I can't really get on board with the coffee. I think coffee's nasty, but some people love it. But I, I love, and I think a lot of you love, because I've seen you all there a few times, um, Chick-fil-A. Okay, like I love Chick-fil-A. And, and you know, I, coffee's kind of gross, but I love the Jesus chicken. The Jesus chicken is good, you know. And um, I, a lot of people, uh, I've heard it said that like you can tell what someone really loves or what's really important to them by looking at their bank statement. Well, if you look at my bank statement, <laughs> You will be able to tell that I love Chick-fil-A, okay? I love Chick-fil-A. So um, for, for this one, I want to give away. Sean, I'm going to have you help me. I want you to give it. It's ugly sweater day here today. I, contrary to popular belief, I did not just wear this for the fashion statement, you know? Um, but I, I, I picked this sweater, guys, because, you know, like Pastor, he's known as the bulldog. But, you know, I thought I was speaking this morning, you know? And, and honestly, if you ask the people in my family, you know, 
I could be the bulldog sometimes too, okay? So, so I picked this sweater especially for that. But um, I want you to give this Chick-fil-A to someone in the audience who, has, who went all out and decked out for the ugly. Now, be careful, Sean. Be careful because, like, don't just make sure they're in the ugly sweater thing. You know, like, make sure it's not just a sweater that you think is ugly, okay? Because like, it can be, this is a little dangerous, okay? So make sure. But the pressure is on. So pick somebody um, who has a really ugly sweater and give them that Chick-fil-A card. Oh, I, I mean, I see one real easy right there. I mean, like that. You can't. Yes, yeah, stand up. Thank you. That is good. Like. Lily went all out. You deserve that Chick-fil-A. You deserve it. Okay. Okay, so another thing. Now, we're in Texas, and so we love the Dallas Cowboys. Anybody in here love the Dallas Cowboys? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter if they're winning or if they're losing. You know, we just we got love in our hearts for them. And, man, I, I know that I thought there was going to be a really special Dallas Cowboy fan in the house, but he's not here this morning, but his wife is. And so, um, you know, Kevin Burwise, he is a really big, big, big Cowboys fan. And, and I think that he would want to be decked out in Cowboys from head to toe. And so he needs some Cowboys socks. And so, Sean, will you take this? Delia, you're going to have to present this to him because um, I think he's working this morning or something. And so, so I know that Kevin will really appreciate those Dallas Cowboys socks. Now, for those of you, I think you're all in on the joke, but for those of you who, are, who don't know, Kevin actually despises the Cowboys, and he's a real big Cowboys hater, and he's always hating on us, and so um, I think that he will appreciate that gift this Christmas, all right? All right. So, so like I said, we say, um, we use that word love for just a lot of stuff, and, and when we do that, we kind of overuse the word, and we cheapen its meaning. You know, if you ask most people, like, um, what is love? They'll, they'll just be like, oh, you know, like, love is love, man. Love is love. Like, they, they can't define it. And so this morning, if we're going to really grasp how important it is that Jesus' arrival brought this gift of love, we kind of need to understand it more. We need to be able to define it. And so I'm going to do my best this morning um, with God's help and, and through the scripture to show us um, a few things that God says about this gift of love. And so um, our text today is going to be 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. And if you want to look in your Bible or on your phone, um, it's also going to be up on the screen this morning. So let's read this together today. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God But if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So this morning, the first thing I want us to notice in this scripture, number one, is that love originates from God. 
Love originates from God. The scripture here says that love is from God. It starts with him. He is the creator of love. You know, that word um, love here in the Greek is, is agape. And that agape mean, is almost always used to describe the kind of love that is of God and the kind of love that is from God. And now this isn't, you know, that type of love that's like sappy and sentimental feelings and, and like our favorite romantic comedy or, or your favorite Hallmark movie. That's not the kind of love that I'm talking about. This, this kind of love is it's part of, it's God's love is part of his nature, It's an expression of his very being. You know, he loves the unlovable and he loves the unlovely, not just because we deserve it, but because it's his nature to love and he must be true to his nature. He must be true to his nature. You see, that kind of love, it doesn't come naturally to us as humans. You know, because of our fallen nature, we're we're incapable of producing that kind of love apart from God. It only comes from him. If we're going to love like God loves, that that agape kind of love, it can only come from its source. You see, real agape love is only fully realized through God and satisfied by God. I'm gonna say that again, it's in your notes this morning. Real agape love is only fully realized through God and satisfied by God. You know, the world can experience, you know, certain types of love apart from God, but, but not in the fullness that God intended. You see, the love that the world has to offer will never satisfy. It will always leave us wanting more. You know, um, I've been very blessed and I'm very thankful that I have not had um, COVID. I haven't gotten COVID, but I have had several friends who have had it. And, and one of the crazy things about um, this virus is that for a lot of people, it, it causes them to lose their sense of taste and their sense of smell. And, you know, sometimes it can last for a few days. For some people, it even may last um, for a few months. And, and I don't know about you, but for me, losing my sense of taste sounds awful because I love to eat, okay, right? And so, so you know, they, they kind of, they try to, you can still eat the foods that maybe you enjoyed, but, you know, it, it just is, doesn't, it's not the same, right? And so you keep trying to eat more food and try different things in, in order to satisfy that hunger, but no matter what you try, you'll just always feel disappointed because without taste or smell, it, it just can't hit the spot. It just can't satisfy. Well, that's what it's like to try to experience love, that that true agape love outside of God. You can taste and you can try all the love that this world has to offer, but apart from God, the originator, the creator of love, it will always just fall short. It will never satisfy. The second thing I want us to notice from our scripture today, number two, is that Jesus is love manifested. Jesus is love manifested. In verses nine and 10, it says, "In in this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You see, that word manifest, it means on display, or it means to be made clear. 
And so we could say it like this. We could say that Jesus is love clearly on display. Jesus is love clearly on display for you and for the world around you. You know, one of my favorite names um, that they use for God in the scripture is Emmanuel. And you kind of hear that word a lot, especially during Christmas time. And, And what that means, it just means God with us. God with us. And and I love that name because it just reiterates to me how much he loves us. Because how many of you know, we don't go out of our way to be with people we don't love, right? I mean, okay, how many of you have ever been to the grocery store and like from afar off, you like maybe saw someone you didn't really like that much? Like, did you like run over and try to talk to them and be with them? No, probably like duck down an aisle, put your head down, put your sunglasses on incognito. Like, oh, I hope they don't see me. I hope they don't see me, right? Because we don't go out of our way to be with people that we don't love. But you see, I am loved so much that Jesus chose to leave heaven and come to earth so he could be with me. Not because I'm perfect, but because his love is his love is. You know, I read a story about a Christian author and, and she was getting her picture taken um, for a newspaper article. And, and the photographer took her outside and, and put her, you know, by this big tree. And the photographer told her, she said, okay, now look up like you're looking at God. And so, you know, she looks up in the sky and takes a few pictures. And, and then the photographer says, okay, now bring God a little bit lower. You see, that's the perfect picture of what Jesus did for us. Because of God's holy nature, sometimes he can feel so high and so lofty. He feels so far above us. But because Jesus, who is one with the Father, came down, we get to see love. We get to see God at eye level. We get to see a a God who came down, a God who draws near, a God who makes his home in us. So if Jesus is God's way of displaying what truly love is, then what are some characteristics that we can notice about Jesus's love? Number one, I want us to notice that Jesus's love is transformational. It brings life. Jesus' love is transformational. It brings life. You see, our scripture says that Jesus came to the world so that we might live through him. Without the love of Jesus, we are completely dead in our sins. Ephesians 2.1 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of this used to live, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we are subject to God's anger, just like everyone else, but... God, he's so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Man, Jesus' love is transformational. He came to transform you. Jesus didn't just come to make bad people good. No, he came to transform. He came to make dead people live. 
Not only is Jesus' love transformational, but number two, Jesus' love is restorative. It brings union. Jesus' love is restorative. It brings union. You know, I love reading um, verse 10 of our text in the message version of the Bible because it just says it so beautifully. It says, this is the kind of love we are talking about. Not that once upon a time that Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. I want to focus on that part that says he came, his sacrifice came to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. Man, I love that way that scripture words that because I think sometimes in our human mind, we might be able to understand or or to accept the fact that Jesus' love and his sacrifice, it it can bring forgiveness. And, And we can kind of maybe understand that. But it's really hard for us to understand and to accept that, that it doesn't just clear away the sins but it actually restores all the damage that that sin caused to our relationship with God. You see, because of that sacrificial, restorative love, we can actually have union with God. That love, it cleared away the junk that was standing in the way, that separating us from having a relationship with God. And now, because of that love, we can have union with him. Our relationship has been completely restored. You know, when someone hurts us, I think we we can sometimes find it in our hearts that, that we can forgive them, you know? But usually, our relationship with that person is never the same right? You know, the, the damage has kind of been done. And so you may like kind of, you, you've forgiven them, but you build up the walls or, or you're kind of cautious around that person. But, but that's not how it works with God. You see, because of Jesus, not only are we forgiven, but our relationship has been completely restored. We have union with him. Right. You know, I think when I think about Jesus' restorative love, I think about the story of Peter. You know, um, remember Peter on uh, at the Last Supper, and and you know Peter, I love him, but he, his mouth he really gets himself in some big trouble sometimes. But so it's it's the Last Supper, and and he is vowing and he is making this big proclamation to Jesus that you know no matter what happens, if everyone else falls away. I will be with you forever, Jesus. I will not deny you. I will always follow you. And then on that very same night, Peter, this this great disciple who had been with Jesus and had seen the miracles and had heard all the great teachings, and yet when his back was against the wall, he denied knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times times he denied him. Three times. Now, can you imagine how crushed Peter must have been? Like how disappointed in himself and and how broken he must have felt just knowing that he had failed Jesus in the time where he needed him the most. But thankfully, the story doesn't end there. 
Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and, and he appears to Peter and, and other people numerous times before his ascension. But even though, you know, even though I'm sure Peter was filled with joy to see that Jesus was alive, I, I can't help but to think that maybe he might not have been just completely comfortable in the presence of this risen Jesus. I mean, I mean, I can kind of imagine that even though Peter had repented of his sin and, and Jesus had forgiven him, that, that I think it would still have been hard for Peter to forgive himself. You know, and I think Peter might have struggled with the thought that Jesus just could no longer love him, even though he was forgiven He probably just couldn't love him anymore because of what he had done. It was at this time um, that I think Jesus did what he knew Peter needed in order to restore his spirit. In in John chapter 21, the account is given where where Jesus appears to Peter and some of the disciples while they're out fishing and and Jesus makes breakfast for them. and, And during the breakfast, Jesus talks to Peter and he asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? And every time, all three times, a resounding, Peter responds with a strong, yes, Lord, I love you. And I just, I don't think that it was by accident that Jesus asks him three times. You see, I think Jesus loved Peter so much that he wanted to give him the opportunity to cancel out the three times that he had denied Christ by being able to proclaim his love three times as well. You see, Jesus' love is restorative. It clears away the sin and the shame that we carry, and it restores all the damage that we have done to our relationship with God, and it allows us to be in union with him. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. Not only is Jesus' love transformational and restorative, but number three, Jesus' love is unconditional. It never quits. It's unconditional. It never quits. Romans 8, 38 says, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus' love is unconditional. There is nothing that you can do to make him love you more. And there is nothing that you can do to make him love you less. We don't earn his love by fulfilling a predetermined set of conditions. He loves us, not because of what we are, but because of who he is. God is love. It never quits. It never fails. It never runs out. You know, it's hard for us to comprehend because our flesh struggles with unconditional love. You know, it doesn't come natural to us. We, we're kind of wired to be transactional, right? Like, um, if you give to me, then I'll give to you. And if you're nice to me, then I'll be nice to you. And if you love me, 
then I'll love you. We, we have these conditions and these stipulations on our love, but God's love isn't like that. It is unconditional. It never quits. It never quits. Have you ever been afraid or worried about getting on God's nerves? Like, do you ever struggle or just kind of wonder like, God, are you just tired of me? Like, is that just me? <laughs> I think there's probably some of you who have had those, those feelings. And I know for me, like when I continue to, to mess up or fail or, or when I struggle with the same stuff over and over and over again. And, and even though I'm, I've been a believer my whole life, you know, and I think I should be past this point, sometimes I just kind of like wonder, man, I just fail all the time. It's, it's getting ridiculous. God, I, I'm, probably, I'm probably wearing you out. You're probably tired of me. You know, as humans, we know how to own guilt and we know how to own shame. It's pretty natural for us. But it's really hard for us to own love. Especially the kind of love, being perfectly loved by a perfect God. And so sometimes I just wonder, like, God, are you tired of me? So this morning, if you have ever had those feelings or those thoughts, I want to encourage you and myself with his word and what he says. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding. No one can fathom. God's not tired of you. He's not sighing and rolling his eyes and just wishing that you would get it right or just go away. Lamentations 3.22 says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. You cannot wear God out. His love is unconditional. It never quits. When you lay your head on your pillow tonight, tell your weary spirit this. The God who never grows weary is not tired of me. He loves me. Rest in that this morning. He loves me. The last thing that we can notice in our text this morning, number three, is that if you have been loved by God, if we have been loved by God, we ought to love one another, right? Verse 11, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely are to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. You see, when we experience this this incredible agape kind of love, this transformational, restorative, unconditional kind of love, how can we keep it to ourselves? How can we not share it with others? Quickly, I want to show you three ways that you can share this love with others. Number one, by praying. By praying, you know, I know that might sound uh, too easy or, or a little too cliche, but if we really understood and if we really believed in the power of prayer, we would see that that is one of the greatest ways that we can show love to one another. 
Now, I'm not talking about that, oh yeah, I'll pray for you, pat on the back, walk away and never pray. No, I'm talking about fervent, passionate, committed prayerfulness. I'm not saying you need fancy prayers or King James Version prayers. You don't have to be a professional prayer. You just gotta pray what you've got. Just pray. Richard Loveless said this. He said, if all Christians in Western Christendom were to intercede daily simply for the most obvious spiritual concerns visible in their homes, their workplaces, their local churches, their nations, and the world, the transformation which would result would be incalculable. It would be, we would not even be able to see. I had not seen, ears had not heard if God's people just actually prayed, if we really prayed. One of the greatest ways that we can show love to others is by praying for them. Another way that we can show love to others is by being present. You know, loving people doesn't have to be complicated. You just gotta show up for people. You just gotta be there. You just gotta listen. You know, in today's culture, it seems like there's so many voices that are speaking and and even shouting. But what if we as believers actually listened instead of just adding to the noise? I heard a quote that said, listening and loving are so closely related, it's hard to tell the difference. You know, it's rare for people to feel really, truly heard. Believers, I I challenge you this morning, commit to slowing down. Commit to asking questions and really listening to people, listening to understand, not just to prepare your response. You know, we can show love by by being present and, and you can be present by being generous, not just with your money or your gifts, although those can be a way that you can show love, but be generous with your time. Be generous with your words. Don't hold back telling people what they really mean to you. Be generous with your kindness. Think about the other person more than you think about yourself. How can you make their life better? The last way that we can show love to others this morning is by preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. You know, If I find a new restaurant that I really like, I can't wait to tell all my friends about it, right? And I take them there. If I get good news about a job promotion or something awesome in my family happens, man, I want to shout it from the rooftops. Now, I love to shop and I love a good deal and I like to help people save money. So so if I find a really good deal or a way for people to save money, man, I want to tell everybody about it. I'm, I'm posting it on social media. Oh, look at where I found this. It's great. I'm texting my friends. This is on sale. You got to go get it. I, the person in line at the grocery store, I'm like, oh, did you know there's a coupon for that? Like, you, you're telling them. You're telling them. It's, it's good news. You got a good deal. You got good news. But do we realize that the best news we will ever hear is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The message of the gospel is the best news that we will ever hear. It is the best deal that we are ever going to get. And if we realize that, then we should want to share it with everyone we meet. 
You know, if you say that you love someone, but you have not shared the good news of the gospel with them, I would have to question that love. I'd have to question that love because the greatest way that we can show love to someone is by preaching the gospel. Today, this this powerful text has taught us a lot of things about love. It showed us that love originates from God and, and that we can't experience true agape love apart from him. And it also showed us that Jesus is love manifested. Jesus is love clearly on display for us to see and for us to experience. And finally, it showed us that if we have been loved by God, we are to love one another. If we've experienced God's love for ourselves, then it should overflow to everyone that is around us. The takeaway for our message this morning is this. We are wrapped in the love of God that transforms us, restores us, and never fails us. In turn, we should wrap others in that same kind of love. We are wrapped in the love of God that transforms us, restores us, and never fails us. In turn, we should wrap others in that same kind of love. Of love.